things on the we're live now. You oh, learn all boy. kinds of things on the pre pre show. The pre pre show. Oh. Well, I'm gonna let that secret die with me. I'm not gonna <laughs> yeah, share that with the share with that. the viewers here. I'm sure it'll come out eventually. <laughs> Everything always does. <laughs> well, I just way. posted it on Twitter. <laughs> it's on TikTok now, Gomer. Uh, it's the pre show where we talk about what we're gonna do on the show. How's it going, guys? Yeah, I'm doing okay. Talk about what we'll do. I'm sharing the show around a little bit. Some like some of my groups. Well, of Just course, we got about... some uh, Kenobi to talk about. Oh yeah, definitely Kenobi. Oh, it was fantastic. I forgot which groups I've shared it to now. Have I already shared it to that group? Yes, I have. But um, yeah, I done forgot. I was going to say Kenobi's just distracted the shit out of me. Sorry, I thought um, you were talking about what we were going to do. Oh, it's going to be dope. It's gonna be... <laughs> It was so great. I had such a great time. Uh, anyway, it's a segment one. We'll talk about what we did this week. I watched the new thing. I'll talk about uh, a legend retires from Marvel Comics. We're going to talk about him in depth. It's Joe Casada. He doesn't know. Uh, Joe Casada still with Marvel? Not anymore. That's the story. He retired. Yeah, he had a very emotional post that he made. Yeah. Uh, oh. DC has a concert tour happening, but not huh. like you think. Yeah. Uh, more Dark Crisis books have been announced. Meh, whatever. I'm just really excited for Dark Crisis. And we're going to give equal time to Hellfire Gala, which is only a one-shot this time around. Thank goodness. I'm glad. I, I mean, I like I like Hellfire Gala. I like the event last year, but I don't know that it needs to be an annual, like, huge crossover. Yeah. I like the idea of it being an annual one-shot, just not a, you know, massive, sprawling medium. thing, yeah. you know? <laughs> Uh, and then Kenobi, of course. Food News only won this week, but it's a doozy. Mm, a doozy. And then Top 3, which I don't have any Marvel books in my Top 3 this week. I am struggling to come up with a Top 3 this week. It was rough. It was rough. Although my Top 2 were spot on. Again, Dark Crisis teaser. but uh, And then there's a really good... I'm, I think Dave will probably have this on his list, too. I know he was going to pick it up, but... Uh, yeah, anything else you guys want to add to the show this week? I did go see Maverick, and I can talk about that in a second. Oh, okay. Okay. As long as there's a homoerotic volleyball scene in it. I'm there's a homoerotic play. football scene. Oh, they changed the sports. They changed the sports. Uh, <laughs> the Is someone running after Tom Cruise? Uh, yes, people are tackling Tom Cruise and they're and yeah. laughing. Oh, 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 oh. oh, it's my favorite. Awesome. We'll talk about that. Dave did nothing. Probably. I didn't get splashed in the face this week with gasoline. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. Things are looking up for old <laughs> David. That's right. All right, let's do it. Mm-hmm. I actually watched this earlier this week for background noise. Somebody wake up, Hick. I love that shit. Elevator straight to hell. Yeah. Nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. It's the only way to be sure. Man, how much of that movie would have been different if they had just went similarly? You have to wait. You have to wait. <laughs> Intro time. Greetings. Another episode of this Geek and Comics, Outright Geekery's comic book shit talk show. Shit talk show. Yes, hands. Gomer, aka Dave Taylor. Uh, what would aliens have been better if only Taylor? Oh no! It, it, that, how different would that movie have been if they had just listened to Ridley? Is all I'm saying. Oh uh, well, from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, the know? movies would have been terrible because they would have been over in five minutes. I but like, I think that's part of the point. Like the big corporation. Yeah, the lives of the fictional characters would have been a lot better if they had listened to Ridley. Well, sure, but the corporation was in control. That's the whole point. That's that a fair movie. point. Yeah, the, Cameron always. That's the 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 parable yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey Andy. Hey Andy. Unabated. Aunt run amok. It's run amok. Uh, I watched. Let me go to the banners. I don't have any uh anything for your Top Gun Maverick. But I did, man, I got a lot of images this week. I did watch the new episode of The Orville. I'm a huge fan of The Orville. Why? Because it's Star Trek it's from the, the 90s, Trek honestly. Right now. Star Trek from the 90s. I don't know if it's the best it's right now. 
it's Strange like, New Worlds is fucking amazingly cool, dude. It's so dope. But it's kind of like that interesting sweet spot between it's like almost like a ribbing of Star Trek, but also clearly from a position of love. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know if you keep up with the show, but there was this alien attack and the aliens, you know, are terrible. But one of the aliens was on the Orville and ended up saving the day and nobody was, you know, whatever. But there's all this racism towards him now on the ship. And it was like he committed suicide. I mean, spoiler, I can't help it. It was such a deep episode. Um, And it's like overcoming your prejudices and dealing with something hard, like being bullied and everything. Uh, Yeah, Andy Bullard's did a review on that Reiki Creek group. Go over there and check that out. It was very nice, very fun, very good times. Love when everybody's, you know, streaming. Uh, But yeah, it's on Hulu. It's, It's a Disney joint now. So... Yeah, the Orville. It's fucking dope. It's so cool. I love it. Uh, Taylor saw Maverick. Talk to I did see Maverick. Well, um, <laughs> the relationship with Goose was a big part of this one, but honestly, this is like the exact sequel to Top Gun that you would have in your head. But that's not really a bad thing, you know? Okay. I mean... <sighs> This movie just is a teacher, right? Teaching young people how to fly airplanes. Yeah, they've called him back to Top Gun to like train the like best and brightest of the new generation for this like hyper difficult, perilous mission that they have to I go mean, on. I I mean, who are we fighting in this? Russia? They never explicitly say. They just call him the enemy. It, it must be probably ru- like it it's takes place. Be aliens. There's like this big snowy backdrop for the place, so probably yeah. Russia. But they never explicitly. I say. don't know. I mean, maybe China has some some. It could be. That could well, that's fair. That it could, could be. Repeat, but they I'm keep hearing, that vague. But yeah, I'm hearing Russia is shit in Ukraine right now is being held together with duct tape and stuff. Like literally, yeah, that's true. Cases. If this is meant to be but, Russia, then they are vastly overestimating Russia's yeah. military capability. Yeah. But um, I think all that, vastly but, overestimating. But I did enjoy the movie quite a lot. It was. Like I said, not something that's going to like blow your mind. If you like the first Top Gun, you should like this one quite a lot. Um, I like it ironically almost. Well, Top Gun in a lot of ways is the ultimate 80s movie. Even people who have uh, never seen Top Gun can probably give you the beat by beat of what goes on just by pop culture osmosis, you know? Yeah, it's... I don't it's, think I've seen Top Gun since the 80s. Wow. Uh, it does. It holds up okay if you set it in the '80s. You know, Cold War, dumb stupidness like that. I mean, it's, it's a stupid, fun movie, and that's what it is. This, that's exactly. what this one is too. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I enjoyed it. There was cool action. Um, the plot was per- the plot did what it needed to do to move the plot along. You know. Wow. Okay. Oh fuck you! So no, that, that, that doesn't like that. sound like it's a. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to talk shit. I'm just saying. The plot did what it needed to do to move the plot along. It's I mean, a Tom a Cruise a joint. <laughs> no, but Mission Impossible, there's depth there. I mean, it's not... See, this is where we're going deep, really divergent but... there. I don't yeah. like the Mission Impossible movies. Really? The Mission Impossible movies are just... Maybe that's just because they're overhyped. They're fine. They're oh, they like... are very overhyped. Yeah. But uh, I put them in the same classification as like the Fast and Furious movies almost. Even the newer James Bond movies. Even the older James Bond movies for fuck's sake. You know, it's just big, dumb, stupid action nonsense. Uh, and that's okay. You know, there's a space for that. Uh, and I'm okay with Maverick too. You know, I just, the first one is like the lowest of the 80s like war propaganda movies. It's, I mean, it's Hunt for October is the top. And then way, 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 way down at the bottom is the Top Gun. And again, that's still okay. That's still okay. Yeah, plot drives the characters. That's probably a fair way to say it. Taylor, would you agree? Yeah, I'd say so. And the character yeah. work was pretty good in this. The the most the most compelling relationship here was between Maverick and Rooster, who's Goose's son. Ooh, he was in the first one. Meg yep. Ryan was carrying him around, and he had a little star screen. Yeah, he's all uh, grown up, and he's Miles Teller now. Amazing. He was Mr. Fantastic, wasn't he? <laughs> uh, yes, he was in the Fantastic movies. Dave, did you do anything cool this week, man? Worth mentioning? Not worth mentioning, no. Well, that's I did also see Chippendale Rescue Rangers. I saw that last what? week. We've been talking about Maverick for like 15 minutes. Well, you already talked about that last week, and I don't really have it anything to add. Awesome. It was fine. It was it fine. Is, I loved it. It Movie is of the year a so great far. nod a f- to, the, to basically... 80s cartoon series. It's a love letter to them. 
Yeah, I mean, it is a fun, like, Easter egg hunt, and yeah, yeah it, it, it does have that Who Framed Roger Rabbit energy. Mm-hmm. And yep. who and Roger Rabbit in it? And, and, you <laughs> and, can't, and Roger Rabbit in it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you can't go wrong with J.K. Simmons as a Gumby character. Yeah, dude, it's so great. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I adore that movie. All right, we're not going to talk about that. Let's do. This. Uh, okay, Living Legend has retired. Uh, Joe Casada. Longtime Marvel Comics executive, former editor-in-chief. Uh, he's been the vice president and creative director of Marvel Entertainment since 2019. Uh, he was the chief creative officer before he was replaced by Kevin Feige, of all people, um, in 20-something. Uh, sorry, I'm going to go, oh, hey, later on, man. Have a good night, Andy. Andy Bone now. He'll listen later. He'll listen later. Uh, anyway, yeah. So, I mean just celebrating this guy's career he he retired on june 1st over 30 years okay i think it was 20 years uh, or more at marvel comics he ushered in marvel knights the ultimate universe there's this thing known as the fever memo where he was really sick and he wrote like a company-wide memo and sent it out it says he still doesn't remember it but a lot of the things that he laid out in there like are still part of marvel comics again you know, um, I mean, yeah, it's difficult to overstate the legacy this guy has at Marvel. I mean, he really yeah. pulled their asses out of the fire when they were at their absolute lowest point. Nobody wanted the job. Yeah, nobody wanted. That's why that's basically how he got it. You know, he did. So, he did a lot to shape the comics world we know today, not just Marvel, but the wider comics world. Now, oh, and now, even and, deeper than that, dude. Yeah. Now, as he's retiring as an editor in chief, will he be returning to art? Well, he's doing a movie. Right now, uh, he's doing like an indie movie. I think he's directing, writing it, something, maybe both. Um, but yeah, he's still going to be doing things, obviously. But I don't know. I would love to see him go back to the, at least cover work somewhere. I would know, love or... to see him do interiors again. He had some of the oh, best yeah. interiors. I yeah. mean, I know I know, I rag on Joe Quesada a lot in past past episodes, but I do <laughs> Well, it's easy. Artwork. I mean, one more day. That's all you got to say. That yeah. was all him. Nobody else, him. He ordered that to happen. And everybody hated it, you know. Um, I think it ended up being better for Spider-Man in the long run. It was just not a really good way to do it. That is still widely debated. If like no one liked it at the time, it was definitely unpopular. But was yeah. it for the greater good? Oh, it the jury's kind of still out on that one. I think. oh, I don't know. I think that's. I think I could make a really strong argument that no, doing what happened in One More Day was the best thing for that character. But the way they went about it was kind of dumb, you know. But I mean, what else could they do? It was, if it wasn't Mephisto, it would have been some time travel bull. You know what I mean? It would have been something. It would have happened eventually. Yeah. But I would like to say, along with Cup of Joe, which brought, you know, he was talking literally to the audience, you know, which which didn't happen since Stan Lee, you know, to the amount that he did it. But he hired the right people. I think that was the most important thing, right? He put a focus on putting the focus on the right characters, right? Everything that he did, even in those early years, set up what we know today as the MCU. All right. Avengers Disassembled was the groundwork for the MCU. The Avengers were shit before Joe Q got there and put Bendis in charge. Uh, they took the best characters, Spider-Man and Wolverine, who were from two of the franchises that they sold off that were so successful in the movies at the time, to make the Avengers higher, high enough profile that they'd be able to move into the screen. And they did it. And again, it was under him that that happened. They hadn't sold yeah, this. Um, that was him. The pop culture juggernaut that is the MCU probably would not be here today. And I'm glad if you mentioned Bendis, because I was going to mention, yeah, uh, yeah. Bendis is decade of decadence, as you always called it. He was the guy who set that up. Exactly, dude. He was the one who, who had the foresight to do this. Even the Marvel Knights building up Daredevil stuff, especially the Ultimate Universe stuff. Um, but even things like that were kind of accidental, you know, setting up Planet Hulk, which got Hulk off of the table. Um, House of X, you know, which decimated mutants at the end. So you could have your civil war, you know, Annihilation. Without Annihilation, you don't have the Guardians of the Galaxy. In no, the you don't. And that was him. Yeah, yeah Annihilation, arguably yeah. still the best event they've ever done. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, if it, oh, we yeah, got a th- bunch of comments. They're oh, the yeah, same yeah. comment. It's looking like spam. Oh, oh, it's just spam. 
Oh, can you see that, David? I had no idea we could see that. I can see that. You you go to to comments on the sidebar here. Oh, I've never done that. Oh, well. There you go. Uh, If Kevin Feige's role is important, and we know it is, okay, he's, I don't know, the father of the MCU. It's not that hard to, to say. Everything that he's done there has been a success. Even the stuff that people say isn't a success, but uh, it's hard not to have Joe Casada in this debate for people who made the MCU possible. I'm sorry, it's just not. And yeah, I mean, I think you should get more credit. And again, I know this Dave shits on him, but I understand why. But it's hard to deny that this dude did a lot of fucking. Abuse. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I shit on him for editorial reasons, but I yeah. do like his artwork. I mean, so. a lot of the. Well, I mean, we're mostly talking about his legacy as an editor here. I know that's why I'm keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> it is. Tr- <laughs> I mean, it is true that a lot of the stuff, like, it didn't always pan out very well. I mean, the Ultimate Universe eventually became a real shit show by the end, but... But it was awesome early on. The Ultimate Universe is exactly what Marvel needed. The Ultimate Universe did a lot to reinvigorate that entire company. So I think that it's definitely a good thing that he, you know, ushered that in. That oh, he, yeah. I mean, you know, only Spider-Man was really, you know, cream of the crop there, of course. The Ultimates was fantastic. The X-Men, dude, Ultimate X-Men, if you look at each arc of that and the creative teams that they put on these books, I can't believe it suffered as much as it did, but it's not even that good. Going back and reading it, it's not that great. Uh, it feels really weird and forced, and I don't know. Uh, it's amazing. Even up to Secret Wars, you know, Joe Casada was there, and... I consider that sort of the, and it's almost like from Civil War to Secret Wars is this big, huge Joe Casada stuff. And it, yeah, just a great guy. Uh, I'm sad to see him go for Marvel. Nothing but luck on what he's got going next. Moving on, DC in concert. This is just weird to me. And I figured I'd mention it. Uh, it's like, uh, is it like one of those things where like they show the movie and play the score with like a live orchestra or something? They are going to play the score with a live orchestra, yes. And there is going to be like an not an interactive screen, but like uh, yes, a screen where you can I can see what's happened while the music was playing, kind of like a music video with live music uh, from '89 Batman uh, Justice League in 2017, uh, and even up to the Batman in 2022, which. I don't know. I had okay music, I guess. I, I don't know. <laughs> It'll be that Nirvana song. Well, <laughs> that's what I was about to say. Wait, what? Uh, I mean, Batman 89. Are they going to have I mean, that like covers? I that, want some Prince covers. The Batman okay. theme they did where it really kind of sounded like the Imperial March from Star Wars. That yeah. it was pretty memorable. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, there are a lot of good scores. Like that Batman score from 89. That's really good. Um, I, yeah. I imagine they'll get the John Donner uh, Superman score oh, going. Oh, dude. That, that would be sweet. Awesome, man. That's so a Richard good. Donner. I don't know why I yeah, said John. Yeah, Richard Donner. Yeah. Um, John Donner would be a terrible name. Richard well, wasn't it John Williams who did that? Maybe that's I where I was so. crossing, yeah, I think maybe I was crossing my wires there. Yeah. yeah I, think I mean, like, the it would be like John Williams for Superman, and it will be like Danny Elfman for the, the at least the oh, 89 yeah. Batman. Yeah. And, I mean, that's all dope shit, dude. That would be great. How yeah, so this could, just weird. there's some good music to play. I've heard of them weird. doing this sort of – it is an odd thing, but I've heard of them doing this with other things. Like they show, like, uh, Star Wars and yeah. the orchestra plays. They, uh, and they've yeah. done that with video games from Nintendo. I know that. Yeah. yeah. It's just hard for me to be like, oh, man, you know what I would like to go do? Listen to the movie soundtracks live. Wait, wait. It is difficult to say who the audience for this is. You know, yeah. like people who go to concerts and people who are, you know – the nerd crowd don't necessarily have a lot of crossover. Yeah, I think. I'm looking for the intersection here and I, they're I'm out there. Out. I'm sure. And I'm sure yeah. that they crunch the numbers and assume that this is going to make them money. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Uh, so yeah, there you go. That sounds like fun. Uh, more dark crisis titles have been announced. Here is, it's kind of hard to see really. This is the checklist that we got originally. All right. This is the one that, that yeah, came out. I think that's the one that's in the back of the book. I got this week. Yeah. But here is the new one. As you can see, I'll go back and forth. They have mm. definitely updated a few things, but I've got it written here. In October, Dark Crisis, the Deadly Green, number one. I don't have covers for any of these. I didn't see covers. There were two, but I couldn't tell what they were for. Anyway, John Kent joins forces with Swamp Thing, John Constantine, and more to explore the spread of the Great Darkness's influence on the multiverse and beyond. 
Uh, November, Dark Crisis, The Dark Army, number one. Damian Wayne, Dr. Light, and a ragtag team of heroes cross enemy lines to steal control of the Dark Army from Pariah. But in the process, uncover a secret about Dr. Light's place in Crisis on Infinite Earths that rocks the future of the DCU. Uh, creative talent for both teams, uh, talent teams for both issues will be announced at later date. Uh, the Flash now extends its Dark Crisis crossover from issues 783 to 785. Um, and now it's also going to include 786. Mm. So that'll be good. Wally West is exhausted and has been running nonstop since even before he had to step up in the wake of the loss of the Justice League. But as he's figured out what he needs to do to free Barry while also keeping Wallace from falling into Pariah's plans, we will definitely talk about that later. Uh, and then I Am Batman number 15 John Ridley is going to come out in December. It will also connect to Dark Crisis, which is fucking weird. Why? Why? Why is Dark Crisis touching over there even? Uh, What's well, to me about that is surely there's more issues of I Am Batman coming out between now and November. So is that the only one that's tying into it? That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because you can see it here in the list for November. I Am Batman number 15. But there's no other I Am Batman on there. Hmm. Um, no. As far as I could tell, and this is a big spoiler, they've kind of already announced the team that is going to be the new Justice League from next week's Dark Crisis. We'll talk about more about that tomorrow night on the preview show, but uh, it's wild, dude. I fucking adore it. It's so good. Um, but there was no I Am Batman in there. New York's Batman was on, on in there, Fox. Um, and then Dark, uh, actually, Dark Crisis number one from Joshua Williamson uh, will be available on the 7th of June, which I just mentioned, two days from now. So, yeah, it's basically another $18 uh, if you want to collect the whole thing. I'm already reading I Am Batman. I wasn't planning on picking up Flash anyway. Um, these other two, the Dark Army one sounds like it's like a must read. Like, you've got to pick this up. It sounds like it's going to be really important. Uh, and that Deadly Green, John Kent and Swamp Thing teaming up, that just sounds cool. That does sound like a cool pairing, yeah. yeah. I would definitely probably pick that one up just because of Swamp Thing. I mean, yeah. John Kent meeting up with Constantine and uh, Swamp Thing is fun already. And also just, you know, Swamp Thing and Constantine hanging out is always yeah, a good time. they're fun, dude. They're fun. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. We'll have more on Dark Crisis again a little bit later on this episode, but even more tomorrow and next week. First, first issue is going to be so much fun. Uh, moving on to the Hellfire Gala, uh, the annual ball that is a – Basically a state dinner for Krakoa. Things have changed a lot since the last one. We do get uh, some preview issues or some part, pardon me, some preview pages. Uh, this comes out on July 13th. Uh, Jerry Dugan and CF via Matea Lolly, Russell Dodderman, Chris Anka all doing the art. This is the Russell Dodderman cover, but there's going to be a lot of covers. I love this one. This one's really great because they get the height right, you know? Yeah. I mean, embrace Wolverine shortness. That's yes. a good thing to see. Yeah. Uh, but here's some of the previews. Uh, looks really cool here. You know, this is Clea. This is the new Strange from the Strange book, uh, which I'm hoping that the Hellfire Gala one shot is not mostly that. Like just trying to get you to read other books. You know what I mean? They've got to be there for a reason, and it's got to make sense within the, the X-Men story that's currently happening. That being said, I mean, half the fun is getting to see all these characters who are normally outside of the X-Men's orbit get to yeah. interact with these characters. Yeah, sure. Oh, and there's our boy Doom with his great look, I gotta oh, say. Oh, I love his look. And nice the Spider-Man. Yeah, and Spidey getting a, a... Is that Miles or Peter? Probably you Miles. don't know yet. Oh, man, the Miles book this week was awesome, dude. It that definitely... my list, but oh, it was so good. Is but... that one of your retirees? Yeah, it's one of my retirees. Uh, I hope this is Miles, dude. It definitely looks more like Miles' color scheme. Yeah, uh, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We'll find out. Uh, and then there's the five, you know, but somehow there's six of them. I guess magic's with them. Magic is hanging out with them for some reason. Yeah, love that. Great thing. Well, I guess she might captains. be their escort. She is one of the captains, yeah. Yeah, very cool here with the captains. What, Doug here has a, has a date? I mean, that's not right. He married. Come on, Doug. Oof. His what the hell, Doug? His old lady stuck over there in uh, – in other world, no. Yeah, and his old lady could fucking break him in oh, half, so that is really dumb of him. Yeah, but there's no gates to other worlds, so he's just biding his time. Uh, but it looks like Proteus is gonna end up, so I don't know what's gonna happen there. We'll see. Uh, but then I, I'm guessing this is Moira here. 
with the inferno going on in the background. That for sure is Moira, yeah. Yeah, so something's going on here. It looks like Emma and Scott are sharing a dance. That's going to be fun. So yeah, the Dodderman cover made it look like is uh this in the Dodderman cover made it look like a uh, Scott is uh going back to Emma maybe or well, I don't know if it's a back. I think it's just sort of an open thing that they've got going on. Not true. I mean, Gene and uh, Wolverine have a thing. Yeah. The problem I have with this is Scott Summer's supposed to be dead. Uh, and all these people are visiting, you know. You know what I'm saying? It seems like that is um, kind of being undone in the X-Men book right now anyway. So maybe by the time this comes out, the whole Captain Krakoa thing will be gone. Oh, yeah, perhaps. Perhaps. Well, it's only a month, so... I don't know. Uh, another one here. I love this classified. Who could it be? What is happening? Uh, but some great shots. Steve Rogers here. It looks like, I don't know, is that Tony there to, next to him? Maybe. I think not. it probably is. Yeah. Is that Luke Cage with this leopard thing going on? Or? I thought it might be T'Challa. I'm not sure. Oh, well, no, it doesn't. He wouldn't work right with orange tiger. You know, I don't know. That's true. It's hard uh, to tell from this far out. Yeah. Well, by uh, this time, he may be the mayor of New York. Oh, true. Well, he's mayor of New York now, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, they might not talk about in this issue. You're right. I like that oh, look for happened. Kitty, although I do like the whole pirate motif she has going on in general. Yeah, I love that pirate shit. Magic looks cool. Um, even though her demonic powers are kind of weakened now because of the issue of New Mutants where she basically gave Limbo away. Uh, I'm anxious to see where that goes, actually, in that book. But then this great you know, Steve Rogers look. Emma, as always, looking amazing. And then just a... I love these pages, and this is what it should be, you know. Tell the story, yeah. Give us the the look with Xavier. You know, he's pouting at somebody, and then, but everybody having fun in the background, doing their mingling. That's what the gala is all about, you know. The fashion, the fun. That's what I'm hoping for, man. I love that shit. I, I love the fact that we read X Men. It's all this politics. I mean, Knights of X was yeah. Just I mean, packed this week did not make my list. It was good, but yeah. it wasn't, you know. I mean, we it spend red. It we spend such. Immortal. If you told me a few years ago that we would devote so much time to talking about X Men politics and X Men fashion, yeah, I dude. probably wouldn't have believed you. But here yeah. we are, and yeah, it's, yeah, it's really good. Cool. It's good shit. It's a lot yeah. of fun. And even the X Men book, the main flagship title, it's action most of it. But there's still a lot of great shit going on there with society and, and yeah, you know, anti human stuff. Uh, all right, Dave has nothing on the Hellfire Gala. You gonna nope. read it though, right? I may pick it up, but yeah. Uh... <laughs> You know I don't read a lot of X Men books. I don't like the fashion. Uh, all right, Kenobi. Dave ain't up the X Men's ass like we are. I guess. Oh, I am definitely. No, I sorry. Am way up there. Well, fuck you, David. Anyway, Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, Vader instructs Reva to find Kenobi, promising to promote her to Grand Inquisitor if she can succeed. Kenobi and Leia transport uh, lands on the mining planet Mapuzo, and they proceed to the rendezvous provided by Haja. Finding no one there, they take a ride on an Imperial transport run by... I want to know where that dude was January 6th. Okay, I need to know where that guy was. Uh, oh, you know for sure he'd be swarming <laughs> um, Dagobah or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, right. Well, uh, Coruscant, I guess, makes the most yeah. sense. But... Uh, they're discovered by Imperial troopers. A bunch of shit happens. A female Imperial officer, um, Tala, who's a member of the Underground Network, hints of the Rebellion. Yeah, already. this is pre-Rebellion. Yeah, this uh, is so pre-Rebels. She, escort, she escorts them to a subterranean passage. Yeah, Rebels takes place like four or five years after this, I think. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, but then Vader shows up, and it is just on. Big, cool action scene. Kenobi is is not good. Kenobi is not good. Oh, he gets his anymore. ass handed he just, to him. Yes, he gets his ass Like, Kenobi clearly handed. has been uh, not in touch with the Force for a while, and it shows, you know? Or he's just scared. He's really surprised. He thought... You know, Anakin had died, and yeah, he is a shock. In he shock. is completely off balance, and so yeah. it is a total stomping for Vader. Yeah. Uh, so Tyler provides a distraction and to save Kenobi, uh, but Leia is intercepted by Reva in the tunnel. Boom, boom, boom. So yeah, we got old man Logan. I mean, old man Kenobi, <laughs> who <laughs> has to learn his ways by re- uh, learn his way back to what he used to be by hanging out with a little girl. And I'm sorry, that's not even a criticism. Okay, that's comparing it to one of the greatest fucking movies ever made, Logan. All right, I'm sorry, that movie is brilliant. Then I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, okay I mean, apparently there's like division within the internet as it's so often the case with star Wars yes. about, you know, Leia's role in the story, but I like it a lot. I yeah, think that too. I really like that they went with her instead of Luke because, you know, 
this is an opportunity to see young Leia that we haven't ever really gotten before. Mm-hmm. It's also, I, I also think she is the more appropriate character to use here, you know? Yeah. Um, but the relationship that they have is really, it's great really good. It's, yeah. Great it's a great part of the show. Like I like, yeah. you know, them kind of adapting to telling their elaborate series of lies together. And yeah, they really work together until fucking Obi-Wan has a old, a, literally an old man moment, you know? <laughs> yeah. He yeah. calls her the wrong thing. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's been a long time. Uh, ben has really beat the fuck up. You know, he's been lost and it shows and everybody griping that, oh, this isn't the Obi-Wan Kenobi I remember. And I'm like, well, th- no shit. That's, That's the, the exact whole point. point. Yeah, That's that, the is, whole point. that is what this series is about, is the yeah. fact that he this is Obi-Wan at his lowest point. Yeah. And, and I'm it assuming even showed yeah. earlier on in the series uh, this other Jedi who was out and doing things and he's dead now. He's dead. And it's like, no, Obi-Wan got a different mission. And then he's like, well, yeah, he's got one job. And then he left Tatooine. And I was like, well, it's kind of the same job, you know, in a way yeah. to take yeah. care of the kids. But uh, again, yeah, I need to know where this guy was on, on January 6th. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, kinda... you know that that was probably Zach Braff, right? But no, it was Zach Braff. He's already come out and yeah. said that it was him. I always think it is interesting, though, when we get to kind of go out into the universe here and see yes. like the people who are drinking the Kool Aid for the Empire. You know, yeah. it's kind of it's kind of it makes it more believable. These people must exist within this universe. You know, it's oh, kinda, most it's... of the people they it must be most of the people. Probably it's more of a shock that this, it's an alien and not a human. Oh, that's true. There's a lot of racism going on. Because there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of anti-alien sentiment in the Empire. Yeah, but I mean, this dude is on some backorder shithole and is a bootlicking motherfucker. Of course, the Imperial Troopers are going to love his ass, you know. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, I think it really worked to push that a little bit more. Um, And I think it was sort of this mirror, this duality of... Here's this guy who's an alien who is just a working everyday Joe, and he's all in on the Empire. I also think it's more believable this way. I mean, you're not going to have every single stormtrooper on every single planet all just uniformly be just like, you know, kicking the shit out of aliens and had a chance to get. You're also not going to see every single alien, you know, savvy to the fact that the Empire is not their friend. Yeah. And then, but you get that duality there with that Imperial officer who, you know, saves their ass and i think that really works for the overall politics yeah i mean anything you can add in to make the situation more complex more nuanced is a good thing i think yeah uh the vader is full vader in this he just yeah he is people in the hallway just knocking the books out of their hands goes up like he kills that one kid i think (laughs) breaks his neck doesn't he kill more than one person oh he kills a lot of people yeah but like specific i was talking specifically about like a child that he broke the neck of well that was his first go-to but i mean vader is no stranger to murdering children so hey whatever but um uh, one thing I will end say, up though, giving this guy eventually, you know, we end up forgiving him eventually. It's so well, weird yeah, to me. but yeah, Vader is very Vader in this episode. And that's a cool yes. thing. Although I will yes. say, though, that like it does. I, if they don't have another confrontation, it really does kind of make it confusing uh, in A New Hope when Vader is like, oh, um, uh, you know, <laughs> Last time we fought, I was the pupil, but now I am the master. That was not the case in this fight. Oh, if this yeah. was the last time they fought before that, he beat yeah. the shit out of Obi Wan. There's got to be another moment where that there line has to be. They wouldn't have drug Vader explained. into this. Yeah, yeah, dude, they've got to cover that. They've got. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. But like, yeah. if this was their last confrontation, that line really doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of lines that don't make sense. I think I mentioned it. Leia saying to you know, leaving the message you fought with my father in the clone wars and not, Hey, you rescued me from flea that one time. Remember? <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, it doesn't make any uh, sense, but I've also saying, seen people point out that like her comforting Luke after uh, Kenobi died makes even less sense. Oh yeah. But Hey, we're, that was a movie that was made like 60 years ago. Maybe they're going to fix that too. Maybe, maybe dad's going to be, and and wipe the little girl's memory. Well, I think we just have to. Droid. I think we just have to accept at a certain point that not everything is going to line up when there's I mean, this many people telling more. stories. Come on, just so have a good honestly, time. just don't worry just about it. Yeah, yeah, just stop, everyone. It, 
I mean, we're comic book people, okay? We live and die by continuity in a lot of cases, but yeah. our continuity, continuity is a double-edged sword, okay? It's great that Vader and Kenobi have this backstory that you can get into, but if you go way into that and look at every little finite detail of the story and just pick it apart, of course it's going to break. Yeah. Of course it's going to break. Come I mean, on, honestly, it's comic fun. readers, like... I think it's staggering the amount of continuity that the writers just simply ignore. I mean, how much of Batman from the fifties and seventies do people actually pay that much attention to? From the nineties and two thousands, there's shit that's ignored. Occasionally Grant Morrison will like pull some shit out of his ass that happened in like 1960 or whatever. But But other than that, as a tool, and it's like a hammer, you can use it to build a house or destroy a house. And if you get too deep into that, you're just going to destroy the house. But if you use it as a tool, pick and choose, do what you want, have fun, just have fun. This shit isn't meant to define your life. It's just meant to have, entertain you and have a good time, man. It works. Have a good time. I'm having a good time with Kenobi. I absolutely uh, am too. I didn't mean yeah. to imply otherwise. But yeah, this was yeah. a lot of fun. Vader was awesome in this. I'm really enjoying this story quite a lot so far, and we're only halfway through. Yeah, uh, I think we're going to have a double dose because I think uh, Ms. Uh, Marvel yeah, is going to This Wednesday is Ms. Wednesday. Marvel. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we're going to overlap because we're definitely going to talk about Ms. Marvel. Now, it's going to be a little kid's show. It's going to be like iCarly or or Hannah Montana. We Those should go in knowing that we are not really the target demographic exactly. of the show. So I can only talk about it from a certain perspective. Yeah. And that's where I'm going to talk about it. It's still part of the MCU. You know, she's well, still going to show up. We still have an shit. obligation, you know, to discuss exactly. these Disney Plus Marvel shows. Exactly. But we should, yeah, go in recognizing who this show was originally intended for. Yeah. My vengeance number one. No, I'm just kidding. Let's go. Mmm, yummy. The food news this week is only a one shot, but it is disgusting. Uh, in Canada... There's a restaurant called Swiss Chalet. Anybody heard of the Swiss Chalet? I have not. No. I haven't either until I saw this disgusting thing. This is the Nashville Hot Crispy Chicken Ice Cream Sandwich. What the fuck? Thank you. This monstrosity can only come out of a couple of places. Canada would not have been my first guess. Um, Something, honestly, I don't want to sound racist, Japan. Right. Yeah, in Japan, that... they eat a lot of weird shit. They just do. <laughs> they put eggs on every burger. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> I, uh, I I like yeah. hot chicken. Yes. I like ice cream. These things should not go together. Yeah, it's like I like tuna fish and peanut butter. But I'm not going to have a tuna fish and peanut butter sandwich. No. Yeah. These are just things that are not <laughs> matched up. You so know, this, this... is a, a breaded – I don't even know how to say it. But a breaded chicken breast tossed in a new Nashville hot glaze. Okay, first of all. That's that's appropriation. Okay, you have to be in Nashville. It's just like a Philly cheesesteak. Philly cheesesteak. Okay, it's it is. You're not getting. You don't get one unless you're in Philadelphia. This is not actual Nashville hot hot chicken. Anyway, on a toasted bun and topped with a scoop of vanilla ice cream that's drizzled with honey. Uh, drizzled with honey is actually the best part here. I wasn't uh, sure what that was. Actually, I thought yeah. it might have been syrup or something. Now I now, could go for a hot uh, hot chicken with honey. That I could do. Oh, That'd that's exactly what I was about to say. I mean, yes. if you take any one of these three things out, it would be a pretty good thing. I would like yeah. the ice cream with the honey. I would like the um, chicken with the honey, but yeah. I don't want all three of them, you know? Yeah. And then that bread. That's not how I eat ice cream sandwiches. That's not how you eat Nashville hot chicken. It's not actually how you eat Nashville hot chicken. It's supposed to be like Wonder Bread, right? Well, the bread I- is just there to kind of absorb the juice. You don't actually um, eat it in sandwich mode, you know? Well, or at way. least most people I know don't. Either way, now, though, yeah, um, yeah, this is uh, terrible. Do you, you guys, this, you can find this at uh, Swiss Chalet locations in Canada through August seventh. If you get one and you're in Canada, let me know. I am not stuff. going to Canada to try this. Mm. Oh, I'm gonna have one mail ordered, door dashed. <laughs> but do you guys remember back before Nashville was like nationally famous for hot chicken? Uh, vaguely. Yes. Yes. I mean, I feel like this really only became a thing like 10 years ago. I mean, we've always had like Prince's and Bolton. So there has always been yeah. Nashville hot chicken as long as we've been alive. But it didn't, always, it didn't become yeah. like our signature dish until like 10 years ago. Well, yeah, we you have another. There, you know, people were like, hmm, Nashville needs a signature dish. How about Prince's? Well, whoever okay came that up with that branding did a good job, you know? Prince's oh, yeah. Prince's and Bolton's uh, are both, you know. Yeah, good, good. they're great. And it's almost like in... In Philly, there's like two cheesesteaks. There's like Geno's, and then there's another one. I'm a Geno's guy. 
right? But it's basically Do you actually know thing. it or just refuse to say their name? I don't remember it. It's Geno's and something. Paps, else. I think. Yeah, it's something. I don't know. But anyway. You know more uh, about cheese thing with than the, I do, apparently. It's the same thing with the hot chicken. You know, you're either a princess or a bolts. Anyway, with this, however, I can see the logic almost to this. Because you want to cool your mouth off with something dairy. Yeah, I assume that that's the idea that led us to this particular so, disaster. Why like, couldn't you know, like, have had it having as your a glass milkshake. of milk with yeah, a milk? Yeah, oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> I think that's a pretty good way to do it. Yeah, if you're gonna yeah. have this hot chicken sandwich, put the honey on. That seems like a decent idea. But then just then have a milkshake. A milkshake. Yeah, yeah. Milkshake. that seems much more appropriate. <laughs> But this is a bad idea. Yeah, this yes. is a bad idea. It's gross. Uh, but if you have one, if you have availability, please try it and let me know. I'm not going to like reimburse you for it. <laughs> Don't send me the receipt. Putting other people's money where your yeah, mouth is. That's exactly right. Uh, let's do comics. Let's do comics. It was a terrible week for comics. And not terrible like there were bad comics. It's terrible like there weren't a lot of comics. Uh, Taylor, you wanna, you wanna, Dave, who wants to go? Who, I'll go first. Yeah, I can start us off if you want right. me to. Yeah. All right. Um, I guess I'll do an honorable mention for Avengers Forever. Um, this was just kind of like a humdrum issue. They do like the origin story of an alternate universe, T'Challa. Yeah. I mean, here they got him looking like Spider Man, and he was definitely like rocking the Spider Man vibe early on. But then they made him Iron Man, and then it ends with him being Superman. Yeah, I saw the the preview. I didn't read this at all, but I did see the preview where he's like they're rocketing him away. And yeah, I mean, this yeah. is them like gathering up like a multiversal Avengers, and this is just the showcase of this particular character. It is also a decent showcase of a uh, King Killmonger being like a cosmic level threat, though. So that aspect, of, cool. it, it did some cool stuff here. It was just kind That's of cool. a kind of a forgettable issue overall, though. Cool. But um, I'll do a number three, four. The order of these is kind of arbitrary, <laughs> I guess, but I guess I'll do number three for King Conan, number five. Cool. Um, we get the backstory of Conan's arch nemesis, Thothamon. Oh, um, finally. Conan. Yeah. And, you know, Jason Aaron does have a talent for grisly backstories. This is him doing that. Um, Thothamon, like, murdered everyone in his seminary in order to become, like, the high priest of Set. So, you know. Nice. Such ambition is only known to a Sith. (laughs) It did have kind of like a Sith vibe to it, yeah. um, So yeah, it it was a fun read, if not a particularly, you know, yeah, gushing one that I'm going to give about it. Cool. Oh, that's your number three. That's it. That's all I got to say. Okay, my bad. Humdrum week this week. It was a humdrum week. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is going to be on Dave's list, but I will do a uh, honorable mention for Righteous Thirst for Vengeance number eight. That is my number three, actually. Yeah, there's no way that's not on your list. We'll talk no. about it in a minute. Um, but another one is that I think might have made Dave's list this week is a book called New Think number one. Uh, Greg Hurwitz and Mike Diodata. This is my number three. Uh, it's a solid debut issue. This is like a new anthology series. We talked about it last week. It's basically um, Black Mirror. Right. Uh, this one just compares. Yeah. This one basically just compares the internet and screen entertainment in general, pretty much, to an invasion that we've lost. Like the screens have invaded us and we have lost. Uh, it was kind of shallow and pointed for a topic that's, you know, kind of deep and full of nuance, especially from what I've seen in other, you know, comics and other Black Mirror itself, you know, is much deeper and nuanced in this, but it was still solid. You know, it was a good opening. Uh, and I'm hoping that we get more of the same or maybe better. That was AWA, by the way. Yeah, was that was one of the AWA books that come out yep. this week. You know, AWA doesn't do bad things. Oh, yeah. Generally. All right. Go ahead, Dave, because I'm excited for you to. <laughs> All right. My honorable mentions include the new thing. Include new think. You're number three. Nice. nice. And my other honorable mention is going to go to. Step by bloody step, number four. Solid ending, solid ending. Yes. Full circle, full yeah, circle, we, very poetic. It, yeah, it's cyclical. Yeah. Uh, the 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 old, the armor is basically the previous child, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> is what yeah. I took away from it. Yeah, and then it moves on. It was kind of cool, man. 
is kind of cool. Yeah. I think it sort of stands for like the younger generation moves the machine, you know, and it's handed off. I, I, there was depth here, you know. Yeah. I'd have to read it again all the way through. Um, basically because there's no real dialogue, there's no real story. Well, there's never any really dialogue to yeah. it. It's all the arts telling the story. And where yeah. there is dialogue, it's in a language we can't decipher. Yeah, we can't. So it might as well not even be there, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, as mentioned, my number three is a Thirsty's Rice for Vengeance. Yep. Thirsty Right for Vengeance. <laughs> a Righteous Thirst for Vengeance. Man, this book is I'm just trying to think what a Thirsty Right for Vengeance would even <laughs> yeah. be about. Oh, That's Batman. That's Batman. Oh, my gosh. This book is violence in and of itself. Oh, dude, my gosh. This, this is, dude. This is like reminiscent. Reminiscent. Out. Of like that scene from like one of the very early Spawn issues with the Violator yes. with the ice cream man in it. Yes. Oh my gosh, this is so reminiscent of that. But this, our hero gets caught trying to save the boy. The man tor is torturing him, breaks glass, sticks it in his skin, and uh, all brutal. hell breaks loose. And it all is hell a breaks loose. yes, it is a brutal fight. He does get back at him. Yeah. But, I mean, this is almost comical because he's butt naked. With got, all this glass sticking out of him, and he's just fighting the hell out of this dude. Yeah, and it, and, and the death of this guy is so poetic. Oh, it's yeah, yeah. So I'm all caught guy, up on this series now, dude. It's fantastic. It it's is a really wonderful good. series. It is. Yeah. It is a strong. Most of my picks this week have been strong artwork. Oh, this for sure. But uh, I mean, it's the sequential storytelling too. I it mean, is sequential. This is this Rick Remender knows his shit. This yeah. is modern sequential storytelling. It is a beautiful book, and I'm so glad that this book is out at the same time as Shaolin Cowboy, because this is the sure. stuff I love. Yeah, this brutal... I mean, it, again, this is kind of funny, dude, in this yeah, just there, weird, there are, twisted way. There are some twisted, comical moments in this, yeah. but it is... This book delivers every month. And, and we say that. It's also got some of these hopeful moments, like... Because dude is really upset that he lost this kid. And now yeah. that he's got him back. And you can tell he's fighting not for his life. He could give a shit. He's fighting to save this kid. And that heroism does really come out of, of the book. It Despite does. the fact that there's not a lot of words in it. No, this, this is another yeah. book that just basically is storytelling yeah. through art. Yeah. Excellent, excellent choice. Uh, Taylor, number two. Um, like I said, it's a slow week. So, um... My number two is going to be uh, Knights of X number two. Oh, okay. Um, I went back. I actually had read Knights of X number one. I actually got that back issue this week, so I read them both back to back here. Um, like you said, this is just basically one big set of action sequences. Um, the team is split up, going in different directions. Um, <sighs> Mostly, I guess I'm just picking this because of the total telling of the story so far. Like I said, I read them both back sure. to back this week. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I actually dropped off of Excalibur after a while. And so, yeah, I am back into the other world scene and I am enjoying it. So uh, it's weird that, cause a lot, like we said earlier, a lot of the X books are dealing with, you know, politics and these deep things. This book, there's politics there, but it is not leaning into it nearly as hard as the other books. And I think it's sort of lacking for that because, Otherworld and this circle and Merlin being in charge now. And even the fact that in this issue, uh, what's his name gets taken and put in, put in jail. By yeah. Him. Jim Jasp, Mad yeah, Jim. Jim. And uh, what's his name is in charge death or whatever over in vampire land or whatever. Yeah. And that's where they're and heading they're, next. Yeah. They're getting there and that's fun and it's action packed, but I'm like, damn, I want to see more of Merlin doing his shit in this weird circle, you know, doing politicking and just talking shit. But it's still a great book. Yeah, still a really great, solid book. Uh, you know, my favorite part of that is fucking Shogo and Jubilee, I think. I really like that. You know, it's fun. It's a fun little angle. Yeah, it is. Um, it's, I thought it was kind of interesting how, like, he's on the mission, but she isn't here, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, I'll go. My number two, uh, and this is a weird one. Did, did everybody read this? Justice League Road to Dark Crisis? Sorry. Yeah, um, kind of my default number one this week. Nice, nice. Uh, it had these four stories in it. Team Up by Joshua Williamson and Dan Jurgens. Life of Purpose by Jeremy Adams and Rosie Campe. Survivors by Chuck Brown and Fico Azio. The Pariah by Philip Kennedy Johnson and Lila DeLuca. And Because the Night by Stephanie Phillips and Clayton Henry. 
So basically, this is a one-shot glimpse into the new status quo now that the Justice League are dead. I love Nightwing here. The Justice League are coming back. You know, he's almost in denial. They're carrying that through with a few characters in here, yeah, it's including something was, Wally. Yeah, I thought it was interesting here how several yeah. characters acknowledge that this is kind of a difficult thing for them to commit to, you know, like yeah, mourning the dead. Back. Yeah, this has happened so many times. They've mourned and like Wally even points out, we've had a funeral that turned into a party a few months later. Um, yeah, even I, Batman has died and come back. I thought they did no, a they good don't. job handling that. Yeah, like every yeah. single major character in the DC universe has been dead at some point, yeah. you know? And I think it is kind of an interesting facet to living in that world where is it worth investing my emotional energy to start the mourning process? Yes. Will it be worse if I do? And it turns out I did it for nothing. And so, yeah, that's really kind of an awful situation to be in, honestly. But yeah, this is following around all the different people who I assume are the main characters of Dark Crisis. And yeah, it, I think, did a good job with each of the individual characters here. So yeah, this was this was a fun read. It was yeah. basically just a big anthology. I really don't think it was necessary reading, but it was a pretty fun read. And it uh, wasn't too expensive for an this anthology shit, book. This shit right here at the end might have been necessary. Maybe. This pick up here, this new, I don't know, Doom Society, I don't know. Legion Doom, of Doom, whatever. What fuck ever, something. There's something going on here. Um, but yeah, dude, I had a great time with this book. Uh I really like the idea of Dark Crisis. I like the idea that DC is just like, yeah, we know that's stupid. We know that the Justice League are going to come back. We're just going to tell this story anyway, and that's going to be part of the story. Yeah, from a meta perspective. Yeah. Themselves. I do think that this is the writers also, like, you know, kind of pointing out, like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is temporary, of course, but yeah. And I mean, I think it's more than that because this Dark Army. I think the nature of this dark army is basically going to lean into death and, and that sort of shit. Like Wally yeah. in this, he's like, Oh, I'm getting Barry back. I'm getting Barry back. He's sort of like Nightwing. Yeah. Like, like okay. well, earlier you were pointing out when they were uh, previewing the books for dark crisis, that one of the solicits for a future flash issue is saying that he's figured out how to go get Barry. Yeah. So, you know, they're not exactly, pre- they're not, they're not fucking with us on that. And I actually kind yeah. of appreciate it, you know? And it's not even like they're not fucking with us. Like, they're making it this sort of meta thing. And it's really cool because, like we said, like you said, is it even worth it for these characters to invest in in mourning? And it's like, wow, that is a really cool question. Yeah, you know, that was an interesting perspective. Question. I thought they handled yeah. it really well. Yeah. Like, the peculiarities of living in a universe where is it going to stick this time? Yeah, dude. It's really cool. It was really fun. Well, that was my number two, Dave. And that was Taylor's number one. So, Dave. Dave getting that musical intro here. Oh, man. This was great. This was awesome. This was cool. So, now we've got the the kids, the little monsters being, are dividing upon, you know, eat the humans and don't eat the humans lines. And the ones that eat the humans find the other humans and go snacking. It's great. Yeah, and he's like, oh, man, I love this. It's so good. But then they don't realize what well, a human can fight back, bro. Yeah. And this is the end. This is that's, the that's the last panels in the book yeah. right there. It's like, oh, shit, what's going to happen? You know, but, and it's like, it's weird because these little vampires don't really realize that they're kind of vampires. They know that they're different and they know what they do, but they don't realize what vampires are and how they're, you know what I mean? Yeah, but the thing. They don't understand how life sort of is and how precious it is it's really cool uh one of the things i'm not oh, yeah that is a hardcore spoiler sorry I, dude i'm not understanding yeah, in, it is. in this book right now is that these the two the twins yeah we get in the early part of the book we get introduced to to the twins before they're vampires and it yeah. seems like they are in like in the 1930s it seems like they are in in it rough yeah so uh, it seems like it like seems like depression. It, yeah. Yeah. Depression error. And there that's where they're living. So have they been vampires this whole time? Because they get either that or it was at the beginning of the apocalypse that has happened. But then it's begs but, the question, well, when did they become vampires then? After the yeah, apocalypse? It's, it, it's becoming of it's becoming kind of a vague 
I'm not sure if it matters now. though. I'm not sure if it matters. No. I mean, it doesn't matter. It only, it well, only one matters of dead now anyway, vampire. so we know it don't matter. We don't know yet. We just know that's the end of the book. But yeah. But now the question is, we know they've been vampires for a very long time, waiting for the master. Have yeah. they been, like you said, have they been vampires prior to the apocalypse? Exactly. So, and know, and yeah. when does this story take place now? Because if these two twins are in the 1930s, I mean, it's just it's it just it's just uh, snowballs. Questions yeah, I don't know if that's important to the story, but this it's definitely may not a be. question. Yes, yeah, definitely but, a question. But I do love, I do love the colors of gray, black, and white, and just the occasional pop of red. Yeah, this is this is again another book that that is telling the story through art. Yeah, and it, it really is. You know, Jeff Lemire does beautiful work, but you know he's a great storyteller. Yeah, uh, he gets that dust in the wind art. So yeah, uh, that was your number two. That's my number two. Taylor's number one now. We back around number one. Um, well, I, I already said it. It was yeah. uh, Dark Crisis, or rather, Road to Dark Crisis. Road to Dark Crisis. Man, I leaves it to me. My number one. Damn, this is a weird pick. Batman Annual Twenty Two. Um, I haven't even bothered reading that yet, dude. It's rad. <laughs> it's really fun, man. It's Ed Rice and John Tim's Batman Inc. centric. Uh, Bruce Wayne puts Ghostmaker in charge of this just eclectic band of uh, of Misfits. Batman's. Uh, I mean, I mean, look at them; they're kind of silly, dude. You know, they kind of look silly as fuck. Look, at they're no, people. they're no Captain America to the United States. Yeah, they're wild, dude. But I mean, it really works, dude. Uh, all these Batman's. Uh, I really love the idea of there being a franchise, a Batman franchise with Batman Inc. So Ghostmaker's in charge now. He's the one who gets to decide where everybody goes. And then they go and do their thing. Um, I don't know, dude. There's such a great opportunity here for these conflicts that could come with franchising, you know, as this gets bigger and bigger. Ghostmaker's already sort of a loose cannon. Um, he's got some of these great scenes with uh Clown puncher, whoever the fuck he is. Clown hunter. Clown hunter. Uh, and he's like, you know, Phantom 2. He's like, hey, we didn't discuss that I was going to be Phantom 2. You know, like Ghostmaker's trying to give him a new sidekick nickname. Um, but then they add this motherfucker to the team. This is a new guy called Gray Wolf. Um, and it was a pretty solid story, dude. It was extra long because it was an annual. So we get Batman and Ghostmaker telling the whole team we're doing Batman Inc. again. And then the second story is them actually going on a mission where they find this gray wolf guy. Uh, pretty basic comic booking. I'm just really excited because, yes, we are getting another Batman Inc. title ongoing uh, here in a month or two. So solid book, solid read. And it's nice to read Batman again and have it actually feel like it's, you know, something new and different and exciting again. So number one, Batman Annual 22. And that leads us to Dave. The closet, number one, solid, very, very solid. good. I, yeah. I just it's there's it's easy to explain, but it's hard to because there's nuance there. Yeah, there's there's some uh, like if you follow like any kind of like paranormal topics and stuff, there are yeah. some tropes uh, in here. Uh, you know, but we we get introduced to the father, the mother, the kid, and we get introduced to the monster in the closet, and it's just this. The, he is terrifying. He, he's not. He is not very big, but he is terrifying. He kind of reminds me of Blacktop Bill in a lot of ways. Oh, he's, he looks like an alien to me. He does. He has a very reminiscent of like a gray. Yeah, big but, head alien. Yeah, but he's he, big head, little body, but he's all black with a smile, and you know yeah. he's like just black skinned. Yeah, uh, James Tynion does some good stuff here with. Presenting the story. Basically, it's a guy, a dad at a bar talking to the bartender. Kind of cheap if you think about it, that that's the way, you know, he he laid out the foundations of this plot. Um, but it worked really well just yeah. because James Tynion is such a, a damn good uh, writer. Um, but then you get home and it just feeds into this like dysfunctional family and this horrible thing happening. And if this family wasn't so dysfunctional, if they actually focus where they needed to focus, they'd be able to help this kid out. But there's also some other things here. There's like, this is analogous analogous to like this kid's monster in the closet was at one point associated in the story with his, the kid's parents arguing, you know? So there's that depth 
you know, there too were tiny and sort of, you know, looking at things and saying that there are other things where the monster in the closet really is just this kid having a bad time because his parents yeah, it's, are shit. It's, it's, it's a trauma that the boy has experienced yeah. that's manifested itself in some way. It could be yeah. like a tulpa. I mean, that nice house on the on the lake too. That sort of does the same thing. You know, it's talking about internal trauma in this external way. I think that's kind of what he's doing with the closet. Um, and yeah, it works. It's really good. It, it's a, it, the reason it didn't make my list or even a mention this week is because it just seems like it's been done before. Um, and maybe that's part of it. You know, he's working with so many tropes, like you said, just and tropes aren't necessarily bad. But in this case, there were a lot and he didn't get to where he needed to go. Uh, this did set them up to be moving in the next issue, like they're moving to a new house. So that's good. That's opening things up to to be something different. Um, but uh, still, yeah, dude, it's hard to argue with James Tiny, and the dude's writing the best damn book on comic shelves right now, you know? Not this one. <laughs> but <laughs> that's a good choice. Good choice. Thank you. Especially on such a terrible week of comics. <sighs> anyway, we're going to do it again next week. But thanks for listening, everybody. Check out the bullies. They got a show coming up later tonight. Leroy and Eli talking all about pop culture and stuff like that. Um, if you want links to all that sort of stuff, go to outrakeekery.com. We got links to the bullies, to us, to merch, to Patreon, all of our social media, anything and everything that you would need to talk to us or hang out with us or do stuff with us. Uh, come back tomorrow night. We're going to do the preview show where we talk about all of the new books coming out next week. And there are some fantastic ones i think that'll just be me and taylor unless probably uh, yeah, yeah i won't be here tomorrow but, yeah but we uh, got david on sunday we don't get him the next day oh i miss him every other day but there i'm is glad he's gone great yeah i know <laughs> I'm great glad I'm dark racism title coming out i'm very sorry just josh need stuff to start so uh yeah again thanks for listening everybody really appreciate appreciate it but most of all thanks to these guys for hanging out with this guy always a pleasure we are gonna do it again next time same geek time, same geek channel. If Dave really had dedication, he'd just call out. <laughs> yeah, it's clear where his priorities are. <laughs> Making money so he can live. Ooh, I need to earn a living. Ooh. <laughs>